Hello everybody, and welcome back. This week we're going to be going over our Vault Monsters deck from Borderlands, the video game. Ha! See you there! You've made it, but what the devil are they worshipping? A deadly creature? Some Hyperion murder bot? Hey everybody and welcome back. Thank you for coming back. Uh, welcome to the new year 2021. So just a little update. Uh, I'm going to keep trying to get these out. I will eventually get on a normal schedule, but after the holidays and after everything else like that. So we'll have to see with that. But for right now, how my beginning of my year's been. So we got a little snowfall, so that's been all right. And uh, we got through the holidays, got a lot of like a air fryer and stuff like that, a nice deep pan so I can make sauces more. But onto my commander games. So I ended up being able to play about two or three commander games since we last talked. Two of the games I played were with the Emoti, uh, with the Emoti deck. So most of the time, since I think it's not really seen a lot at the moment. People really left me alone. And what ended up happening was I was able to develop a board where they didn't kill my commander right away. So I was actually cascading into... Or I was able to cascade a lot more with my flash creatures uh, and my emerge creatures. So, like, say I got a wood elves out, then I was able to emerge onto that, which is emerges one of the Eldrazi mechanics from... Uh, Shadows over Innistrad. So I could sacrifice my creature, put it into play uh, at the reduced cost for the emerge cost, but it would still be casting it for most of the emerge cards are somewhere in the eight to nine range. So you could cascade for eight or nine. So that went over really well. And then I was also playing some evoke creatures. And I found just having being able to do things at flash speed. So things like uh, Vivian Reed, the three or the two and a blue, two and a green. Uh, Planeswalker from War of the Spark that allows you to have your creatures to have flash really helps the deck a lot because being able to basically have haste when you do it at end step or in response to somebody trying to kill your commander uh, works out really well. Overall, I think the deck is really good. It's very, very dependent on your having your commander out. So it's super important that you get her out or get it out, get them out. Um, and keep them out. So maybe even like a Fierce Guard. So, and that's also the other issue. You can't really play any counter spells. So like Fierce Guardianship, you can't really keep in because if you cascade into it, nothing really happens. You can play things like Remand if you really want to. Because all that will happen is like you cast the Remand or you cascade into Remand. You Remand your spell, whatever reduced big spell you had, back to your hand and you draw a card. And then you can try and cascade again. But that's a counterspell you can play. I'm also playing Commit to Memory, uh, which is three, three in a blue, return tar or put target non-land permanent or spell second from the bottom, I think it is. And then it also has um, the memory side, which you can cast from your graveyard for four blue, blue, and you get to draw. Uh, every I think everybody gets to refill their hands up to seven, and then you discard your hand and all that. Uh, like a wheel, or like a mind twist effect. The one problem with that is it is 10 mana to cast, so cascading into it is actually going to be 
relatively hard. I was able to do it quite a few times, actually, uh, because I ended up casting a lot of 10-mana spells. Uh, but yeah, Emerge is really good in that deck. I think people need to start playing it more. It's non-existent on the EDH rec uh, page right now. Uh, I'm going to put my list up and see how it goes. I'm also playing a couple uh, take-an-extra-turn effects in that game, in that deck, so it's super, super good in that. So... Uh, the other game I got to play, so I got to play three games with that. I won two, lost one. Uh, I lost one, so I didn't think it was that big of a threat, but I guess when I put it out, it was Scoot Swarm. I got it out, and then people just started beating me to death really quick. So I took it out of the deck. It wasn't that effective anyways. It was really just more for, um, I'm playing one Mutate card onto... Um, Scoot Swarm, and I thought I could use that, but it didn't work out as well. Uh, and then I was able to play, actually, with Negan, the Walking Dead commander. I want to get a Altered Sleeve for it so that I can use something besides Negan, because he, I mean, I don't watch Walking Dead that often, um, and the art is kind of, like, iffy, but we'll see. Uh, now, with Negan, I was playing against a bunch of friends of mine, uh, <laughs> two people had, myself and another friend of mine had revel revel and riches out um they decided to kill my revel and riches instead of the pirate revel and riches and they ended up winning with the uh or the pirate deck ended up winning with their revel and riches i realized that i actually don't want to play too many like flesh bag marauder effects in the deck because it actually ends up hurting me a little bit more the way i built it so i'm only playing plague crafter which is two in a black when it enters the battlefield, each player sacrifices a creature or planeswalker, and each player who can't discards a card instead. Um, but I'm playing a lot more like Vona's Hunger and and mass sacrifice effects like that for my opponents. So that deck, I still have to test out. I, it needs more card draw like every other deck needs. But all right. So thank you for listening to that. That was my week in magic. Uh, we are going to get on to the lore of this deck. So I will see you in the next section. See you there. What took you so long, Vault Hunter? We got a universe to save. Wow. You were expecting someone less handsome? All right. So, to be honest, uh, I play Borderlands 3. I've never played Borderlands 1 or 2. I've, I've read... And listen to a lot of the lore behind them. And kind of have a gist of what's going on. But there's so much that goes on in 1, 2, and the prequels. And all the other uh, DLCs. That it's kind of hard to keep up with what happened in those games. Uh, I might go back and replay them. But I'd only want to replay them if they got remastered. And for the fact that it's not like a... Maybe it is, but I didn't see it. Like a Mass Effect um, game where you can literally save your characters and kind of ride them over to the next game, which I would love to have happen because I love it when my choices matter in other games and in other DLCs as we go along. But also the idea for this deck came along from when I was listening to, I think it was CMDR Central, and it was about Matt's um, Vault Hunter deck where it's with Zane, the... Um, the clone commander. So I would really suggest going and listen to CMDR Central. They're great. Uh, but I, I would also love if I could ever get uh, Matt on to discuss his commander after I've done this one uh, and the theme behind his deck. Obviously, it's clones. But 
it would be sweet. So that's where I got this idea to do this one. I also love playing Borderlands. Uh, so that's why we also did this. So what we're going to be focusing around mostly uh, are going to be the vaults and the vault monsters. So in the game, if you haven't played it before, it's a... I wouldn't say post-apocalyptic world, but it's maybe just an apocalyptic worlds. Uh, so the whole, you're space traveling, there's um, most of the setting, I think in the first and second one take place mostly on Pandora and in the outer parts of that space. Um, but I'm not completely sure. Borderlands 3, however, you actually go to different worlds that are already developed and you go from world to world um, fighting uh, looking for the vaults, fighting different corporations, fighting bandits, fighting uh, psychos, everything like that. Uh, and the storyline is kind of in-depth. You're a vault hunter in all three games, which means there is a old race called the Uridians that not a whole lot is known about them. All we know is they worked with a group of, I guess you would say, for the most part, they're always humans, but they're called the Sirens, and the Sirens have these abilities that are given to them that are also enhanced by uranium, uridium, which is a uh, material that, I guess, gives people power and helps power machines and stuff like that. But uridium, or the Uranians, I'm going to get that name eventually, locked away... I guess you would say they locked away monsters for the most part. I think the only one that I would consider a true monster would be the Destroyer. Uh, and they all have different names like that. Like, we have the Destroyer, we have the Warrior, uh, the Traveler, the Rampager, all of these different kites. But there's a lot of history behind that you can go and look into when it comes to what the Vault Monsters are. But for the most part, for you, and when it comes to you, you're a Vault Hunter. You're going, for the most part, to go and find all these vaults and get there's treasure and ancient technology inside the vaults where you... Uh, basically get weapons and shields and buffs like that after you destroyed these monsters. Um, one of the playable characters, I believe in all three, has been a siren. So you can actually be a siren, and we are going to have a section. There's always six sirens, uh, and there's like a little bit of lore that's dropped in the seventh, in Borderlands 3 about a seventh siren, but that it should never be found. Uh, I think I have five sirens, but... I'll try and fit in another siren. They're going to be represented by planeswalkers. The commanders that I chose for this for this theme deck. Oh, sorry. Also, we're going to have the actual vaults represented in the decks, and we'll get to those as we go through. The actual commanders that I'm going to be using are Tana the Bloodsore and Silas Wren, Seeker Adapt. Uh, you can think of these both as Vault Hunters, because there's many different Vault Hunters. I think all you need to do to be a Vault Hunter is um, be pretty strong and well-talented and go and look for vaults. Uh, but I'm not completely certain on that. You can look that up in the lore for yourself. Uh, these two I've represented as just generic Vault Hunters, and that's why I thought it'd be good. Um, they're going out and they're seeking out these vaults and getting out these monsters. I was thinking about running Yidris, Maelstrom Wielder, um, but I wouldn't know which exact vault monster I'd want him to be, so I didn't end up running him in the commander. But you can if you want. Uh, there's not a whole lot of synergy that goes along with our commanders in this deck. If you want to know a little bit of lore, let's do a little bit of lore about Tana the Bloodsore. So a little bit of lore about Tana. 
Tana the Bloodsore is a legendary elf druid from an unknown plane. Tana was abandoned in the woods as a child. For unknown reasons, she was taken in by a pod of fungal saplings, who protected her from the wild. The girl grew. The girl has grown into a f- fearsome prowler and hunter of trespassers to feed her sapperling caretakers. The locals are apparently aware there is something afoot in the woods, and the whispers of the wo- of the wood spirits whose thirst for blood of travelers knows no bounds. However, search parties returning empty-handed, if at all, babbling of soil-soaked blood. So that's Timna, the blood sore. And then a little bit of lore about Silas Wren. Silas Wren is a human, born on the Shard of Esper. He is the herald of the House of Wren, one of the most influential families among the elites of Esper. He was also a member of the Seeker of Kermot and a enemy of Tezzeret, which is awesome, I guess. Uh, Silas is a clockwork adept. When Tezzeret gained entry into the Vistus City Academy, wishing to join the Seekers of Kermot, he was battled in a duel with Silas Wren. Being defeated, Tezzeret's powers were considered substandard and not worthy to join the ranks of the seekers silas was later granted the first ever created ethereum heart oh freaking sweet uh for the matter in which he had defeated tezzeret an empowered tezzeret later returned to the sanctum arcades and his old rival silas created an army of zombies and fought with tezzeret silas lost the fight and had some of his ethereum body parts removed oh shoot I uh, didn't know that. So sweet. All right, cool. All right, and with that, we're going to go to the deck tech. If you want to know any more, uh, you can always message me and we can discuss more about Borderlands because there is a rich history to it. So, all right, and on to the next section. Help, please. I'm always looking for a fight. A fight for justice. A fight for what's right. But at this point, I'd settle for anyone who doesn't run. Oh, thank you, thank you! Being a hero to the people has its perks. The fame, the fans, the fashion. I love it all, but a tiger has to hunt. So here we are at the next section. We're going to go over some of our cards. Uh, Like I said before, or like I might have said in older episodes, we're going to kind of rush through some of the cards that are kind of common in the deck. So like things like Arcane Signet, Golgari Signet, Gruul Signet, all of those, uh, and Farseek and Rampant Growth. I'm just going to kind of tell you their names. If they have any relevance to the deck, I'll let you know. Um, But for the most part, we're not going to read through them because we'll be reading through them five or six thousand times uh, as many times as i do these episodes um but we will go over some of the cards that are a little less known so silas ren seeker adept we're going to start with our commanders is one blue black two two legendary artifact creature human has death touch and when silas ren deals combat damage to a player choose target artifact card in your graveyard you may or you may cast it this turn it has partner which means you can play it as your commander alongside another commander that has partner tana the bloodsore two red green two two trample when tana the bloodsore deals combat damage to a player create that many one one sapperling green sapperling creature tokens 
And like we said, these are going to be representing our generic vault hunters that are going and finding all these vaults. So Silas Ren actually works really well kind of with this deck because there is another theme in this deck where artifacts are going to be going to the graveyard or if people are countering our artifacts because some of them are kind of important, we'll be able to cast them from our graveyard. And uh, Tan of the Bloodsore is really just for colors, but you can, I don't think there's any real ways to buff her, but maybe you can just make a bunch of blockers if it comes down to that. So in the game, there is a created, I wouldn't say race, but they're the guardians that were created by the Uranians. Uranians? We'll get those names. We'll get it. So they're just kind of robots, sentient robots, I would say, that protect all the vaults from being opened. It is hinted that their, I would say race, their race will be replaced by the vault hunters. Um, maybe in the fact that the vault hunters will actually end up killing all the vaults or all the vault monsters, or it won't be needed to have the guardians anymore because the vault hunters will be uh, there to always defeat or protect people from the vault monsters. But this has been hinted at by different guardians. So the theme we went with with this is modular. So modular is a mechanic that's basically from the original Mirrodin a lot more. Um, but I'll go ahead and read through it. So modular is modular and a number. So modular three with our arcbound uh, buster. Huh. Five mana artifact creature modular three. This creature comes into play with three plus one plus one counters on it. When it is put into the graveyard, you may put its plus one plus one counters on target artifact creature. Uh, and it's a zero zero. So it's a three mana five five with the ability modular. And these are, all of them are artifact creatures. They kind of have that look that the guardians have, uh, a glow, inner light, uh, energy flowing through them. So Arcbound Crusher, four mana, zero, zero. It's a juggernaut. Trample. When another artifact enters the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on it, and it has modular one. So it's a four mana, one, one. But as long as you keep casting artifacts, it keeps getting bigger. Arcbound Fiend, six mana, zero, zero, fear, artifact creature. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may remove a plus one, plus one counter from target creature onto Arcbound Fiend. It has modular three. Arcbound Hybrid, 4 mana, 0, 0. Modular 2, it has Haste. Arcbound Lancer, 7 mana. Now that's an expensive one. Modular 4, it has First Strike. Arcbound Overseer. Now this is our first rare Arcbound. Uh, 8 mana, 0, 0. Has Modular 6. At the beginning of your upkeep, put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on each creature with a Modular you with modular you control so that's actually one of the ones that you're getting more or you're getting about the same amount of modular with an ability for the cost casting cost now this is the one of the more well i guess it was more competitive ones but arc bound ravenger two mana zero zero it is a artifact beast sacrifice an artifact put a plus one plus one counter on arc bound ravager it has modular one so this is one where you could sacrifice all your artifacts, switch it over to one of your creatures that was unblocked, and take someone out. But it also works well with our Silas Wren. Arcbound Reclaimer, 4 mana, uh, artifact creature Golem, modular 2, remove a plus 1 plus 1 counter from Arcbound Reclaimer, put target artifact card from your graveyard on top of your library. So just being able to rebuy, um, we'll get to some of the, the vaults, and you'll see why that um, can be really useful. Arcbound Slith, 
Slith. Two mana, zero, zero. When Arcbound Slith deals combat damage to a player, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. It has modular one. Uh, all the Sliths have those abilities. When they deal combat damage, you put a plus one, plus one counter. This one, just you're able to switch it over to artifact creatures. Arcbound Stinger, two mana, one, one flyer. That's also another one that's uh, kind of on its own curve. Arcbound Wanderer, 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 six mana, modular Sunburst. So Sunburst is, for the amount of colors that you paid into this card, you get that many plus one, plus one counters on it. Uh, Sunburst had, I think, a bunch of different abilities, but, um, or I think it was always a mana ability, but yeah, at max, you could actually still get five modular counters on this. Uh, Arcbound Worker, one mana, zero, zero, modular one, artifact creature. And then our last card, kind of in our Guardian section, is Awakened Amalgam. Awakened Amalgam, four mana artifact golem. Awakened Amalgam's power and toughness are equal to the number of different named lands you control. So as a four-color deck, we're playing quite a few different named lands. So you can feasibly get this up to a pretty big creature. Um, and then one more card that's kind of in the realm of Guardians is the Watcher. So the Watcher is a named Guardian that shows up, I believe, in one of the DLCs after Borderlands 2. And it foretells of this great war and how the Vault Hunters will um, be needed in it. And uh, it has all these different kinds of mystical abilities. We have it represented as Ugin the Spirit Dragon, 8 mana Legendary Planeswalker Ugin. It has a plus two, deal three damage to any target, minus X, exile, permanence with converted mana cost X or less uh, that are one or more colors, and then minus 10. You gain seven life, draw seven cards, and then put up to seven permanent cards from your hand onto the battlefield. And it starts at seven loyalty. Now on to, still saying on the same theme, uh, our ramp and also our Uridian. Uh, the extra element that you get uh, in the game. So those are going to be represented by our artifacts, this Uridian. Uh, Arcane Signet, like I said, we're not going to go over these. Most of these are just ramp spells. Arcane Signet, Demir Signet, Golgari Signet, Gruul Signet, it Signet. <laughs> um, we're getting there. Uh, Rakdos Signet and Simic Signet. All the Signets we can actually play, and then also a Soul Ring. And then some of our green ramp is going to be Cultivate, which is two and a green. Search your library for up to two basic lands. Put one under the battlefield tapped, the other into your hand. Farseek, uh, Into the North. Into the North, I like playing Into the North, and I think it should actually see more play. Because Into the North is one and a green. Search your library for a Snow Land card and put it into play tapped and shuffle your library. It's a rampant growth, but you can also just go and get... Um, you just play Snow Basics. It doesn't hurt anybody. And it's just an extra rampant growth that you can play in the deck. Kadama's Reeks, just like Cultivate. Nature's Lore allows you to search for a forest and put it into play. Rampant Growth, just like Into the North in this deck. And then Three Visits, just like Nature's Lore. So those are all of our ramp cards. Plus our Uridian. <laughs> all right, so let's move on to the... Oh, so I do have one more Vault Hunter in the deck. Um... Hans Eriksson I'm playing in this deck. I don't know if you're familiar. It's from the new Commander Legend set. Two green, red, one four. When Hans Eriksson attacks, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a creature card, put it into the battlefield tapped and attacking, defending player or planeswalker they control. Otherwise, put that card onto your into your hand. 
So it's a draw effect. When you put the creature onto the battlefield this way, it fights Hans Ericsson. So I like Hans Ericsson to kind of represent a vault hunter that doesn't really know what he's getting into, opens up this vault, and is just like, oh, I did the wrong thing. Uh, this was not good. And then he could just end up dying to the vault creature. Uh, so that's our Hans Ericsson, our one vault hunter. Well, quote unquote, one vault hunter, because a lot of our sirens are also vault hunters. Um, let's go on to the vaults before we get to the vault monsters. So the vaults we're going to have represented in things like Thran's Temporal Gateway, four mana legendary artifact. You can pay four and tap it. Put a historic permanent card from your hand onto the battlefield. Historic cards are artifacts, legends, and sagas are historic. So this will help with a lot of our arc bounds that are pretty expensive, and we're going to be getting them out. Um, like Arcbound Overseer, we can get out for four mana instead of eight. Also, Planeswalkers count as legendaries. Then we have Quicksilver Amulet, four mana, just like Thran's Temporal Gateway, except you just only put creatures onto the battlefield. Uh, Planner, Planner Bridge, six mana, legendary artifact. You can pay eight, search your library for a permanent card, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. All of these are kind of our gates, our vaults that are being open and bringing out the giant creatures. Oracle's Vault, four mana, artifact, two, tap, exile the top card of your library until end of turn. You may play this card, put a brick counter on Oracle. And then it has the tap, exile the top card of your library until end of turn. You may play this card without paying its mana cost. Activate this ability only if you have three or more brick counters on it. Lurking Predators, four, green, green, enchantment. Whenever an opponent casts a spell, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a creature card, put it onto the battlefield. Otherwise, you may put it on the bottom of your library. Defense of the Hearth, three green enchantment. During your upkeep, if you have, if one or more opponents you control, nope. If one or more opponents control three or more creatures, sacrifice Defense of the Hearth, search your library for up to two creature cards, uh, put them onto the battlefield, or put them into play, and then shuffle your library. Six, so those are six, the six vaults for the six, nope, never mind. Uh, so we actually have a couple more. So, and then we have Perilous Vault. So now this is just kind of a wrath effect, but it's also a vault. Four mana, artifact, pay five, exile, Perilous Vault, exile all non-land permanents. And then our last kind of vault card. Um, really, this kind of just goes along with the theme a little bit more, but I also just uh, think Eldrazi represent a good cosmic horror when it comes to the vault monsters we have eldrazi monument five mana artifact creatures you control get plus one plus one have flying and indestructible at the beginning of your upkeep sacrifice a creature if you can't sacrifice eldrazi monument so i would like this to kind of represent more of the vault that is on necrotefeo uh, which is only in borderlands three necrotefeo is this mythical world that you end up finding it has a lot of guardians on it. Um, it also has a dead. It has a dead vault monster on it already, and the vault there has already been opened. So I'd like Eldrazi Monument to kind of represent that last one. And what would these vaults be without some ways to open them? So there's these vault keys that the vault hunters have to collect to open up all of the vaults. Um, so we have those represented: Voltaic Key, one mana artifact, one tap, untap target artifact. See? So it's going to synergize well with most of our vaults. Uh, we have Manifold Key, one mana artifact. Has the same ability as Voltaic Key. But it also has the tap three, tap it. Target creature can't be blocked this turn. Uh, we have Key to the City, 
two mana, discard a card from your hand. Well, discard a card from your hand. Where else would you discard it? Up to one target creature can't be blocked this turn, and then when it untaps, you can pay two and draw a card. And then uh, Galvanic Key, two mana artifact. You may play Galvanic Key anytime you can play an instant. It has pay three, tap, untap target artifact. One more card I have in this section is Storm the Vaults, two blue, red, in legendary enchantment. When one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to a player, create a colorless treasure artifact token. Uh, it has the ability tap, sack, uh, add a mana to your mana pool. At the beginning of your end step, if you control five or more artifacts, transform it, and it transforms into Vault of the Catacan? Legendary Land. You can tap it, add one mana of any color, or tap, add one blue to your mana pool for each artifact you control. So this represents, after the Vault Hunters have finally killed the Vault uh, monsters, they go through the Vault, and they are able to collect all of the treasure that's inside. Uh, and it is represented as treasure chase, uh, treasure chests that you open up to get your weapons. So I thought that was a really cool thing to add to the deck. So that's all of our... That's all of the vaults. Now for the things that come out of the vaults. Uh, I am going to read a little bit of a blurb for each uh, for each monster that we have here. Just a little description of what they are and why they might suit up well with the legendary creatures that I chose for them. So first one we're going to start with is Githian. Githian is from Borderlands 3. It's from one of the DLCs. Uh, Githian is a Cthulhu-based vault monster that has been mostly dead for many years, but those, but whose heart still lives and influences the inhabitants of the planet, uh, the planet that it's on. So when you see it, it's this, it's on the horizon, and you actually get near it, and you get underneath it, and it's massive. It's way bigger than the town you're in. It extends out in far directions, just a bunch of tentacles. Uh, we're going to represent that with dark depths. Um, Dark Depth is a land, legendary snow land, so you can actually get it with your Into the North. Sorry about that, I hit the mic. Uh, it enters the battlefield with a with 10 ice counters on it. Remove an ice For 3 mana, you can remove an ice counter from it, so it doesn't tap for mana, just as a heads up. When Dark Depths has no ice counters left on it, sacrifice it and create a Merit Lodge, legendary 2020 black avatar creature token with flying and indestructible. Uh, we're also playing Thespian Stage with it, when you're in the final battle, it's kind of a st stage-like. But anyways, it's really just so that you can um, Thespian Stage Dark Depths. It has one. It has the ability tap, add one colors to your mana pool, pay two, tap Thespian Stage, create a copy of target land, except it has this ability. So when you Thespian Stage Dark Depths, it's obviously a Dark Depths with no ice counters on it, and it immediately sacrifices, and you get your 20-20. And then also another card... Just to kind of, because the world that they're on is full of ice, it's very cold. We have a uh, thing in the ice that's also representing Githian for one and a blue. It's a zero four defender, horror. This thing in the ice enters the battlefield with four ice counters on it. Whenever you cast a instant or sorcery, remove a ice counter from thing in the ice. If it has no ice counters on it, transform it. And then it becomes a seven eight. When this creature transforms, Awaken Horror, return all non-horror creatures to their owner's hands. So that's just kind of both the things we chose for Githian. 
Uh, next up, we're going to do the Serpent. We have the Serpent represented by Zictris, the Writhing Storm. So Zictris, the Writhing Storm is... Oh, well, actually, sorry. We'll do a little bit about the Serpent. The Serpent was the vault monster on Necrotefeo, slain many years ago by Tyron de Leon and his wife Lydia, and the only encountered as a corpse by the modern-day vault hunters. Uh, Zictris, or the Writhing Storm is two green, red, blue... 3-5, Legendary Snake Leviathan, flying. When an opponent when an opponent draws a card except for the first card they draw each turn, you create a 1-1 Serpent. When the Writhing Storm deals combat damage to a player, you and that player each draw that many cards. So if you hit them for 3, you all draw 3, you get to create, uh, I think it's 2 1-1s or maybe more. The next up is Grave Ward. So Grave Ward, the Grave Ward is a monster that lays laying dormant within a vault near the Jacob's estate on Eden 6. Like the rest of Eden 6, the Grave Ward has a swampy and verdant appearance. So we chose uh, Madrotha the Grave Tide, 3 black, blue, green, 6-6, six, six, elemental avatar. During each of your turns, you may play up to one permanent card of each permanent type from your graveyard. Uh, Grave Tide, obviously, Looks Our Grave Ward definitely looks like Grave Tide. Uh, even has the same one giant hand that has something holding in the middle. So I thought this would represent uh, Grave Grave Ward pretty well. Next card up is the Rampager. The Rampager is a large and wild beast that will that was sealed within a vault underneath the transfer station on uh, Promethea. Uh, we have it represented here as Omnath, Locus of Rage, three red, red, green, green, five, five. Landfall, when it when a land enters the battlefield under your control, you may put a 5-5, five five, you may, no, you do, you put a 5-5 five five elemental green creature token onto the battlefield. When Omnath Locus of Rage or another elemental you control dies, deal 3 damage to target creature or player. Um, I thought this was just a really good representation. It does, so the Rampager does go through multiple different changes in the fight. So I don't know if Locus of Rage really represents that very well. Maybe a Mutate creature would do better. But I liked Locus of Rage uh, for the ma main part that it has Rage in it. The Traveler is the next one. The Traveler is a kaiju-sized teleporting golem that was in its vault, but is required. But it required um, it required a robot to unlock the said vault in order to get the loot. Uh, I'm not too familiar with the Traveler, obviously, um, but we have the Traveler represented by Dark Steel Colossus. Or sorry, not Dark Steel Colossus. We have it represented by Blight Steel Colossus. 12 mana, 11-11, trample, infect, indestructible. If it would be put into a graveyard from anywhere, reveal it and shuffle it into your library instead. Giant Golem uh, ends the game if you can't take care of it. Um, just a really good card. I thought it really was good for the Traveler. The next monster we have up is the Imperial Central Sentinel. Was sealed in into a vault on Pandora's moon. Protected, protecting ancient and future knowledge. It is an ancient, colossal, humanoid with a multi-face multi heads created by the Eurydians. Only in the upper body is it seen and the torso is hidden behind the floor. So I went with... And you could probably find a better one 
to represent this, but I went with Nicobolus, uh, Dragon God. I wanted to go with the one of the Sphinxes from the four mana blue blue white Sphinx that you can take an extra turn um, if it if you hadn't taken an extra turn after this or the one that doesn't untap and attack. Uh, but obviously we're not playing white, so I didn't play it. But Nicobolus is blue black 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 red. Starts with four loyalty. It has the loyalty abilities of all planeswalkers on the battlefield. It also has its own abilities, so plus one, you draw a card, and each opponent exiles a card from their hand or a permanent they control. Minus three, destroy target creature or planeswalker. Minus eight, each opponent who doesn't control a legendary creature or planeswalker loses the game. So I thought that was kind of a cool way to represent it, but like I said, you could probably find a better representation for it. The Warrior. So the Warrior is a biological super weapon laying dormant on Pandora. Acting as the planet's guardian, it resides within a vault in the northern reaches of the planet and can be controlled through the use of the vault key. So this was like a super weapon that was used, um, I think it was to hopefully beat back the destroyer, but I'm not completely certain. But we have it represented as Myogen of the Infinite Rage, 7, red, 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 7, 4. Myogen of the Infinite Rage comes into play with a divinity counter on it if you played it from your hand. So basically, if you've cast it from your hand, it comes in with a rage counter or with a divinity counter. When Myogen or Myogen is indestructible as long as it has a divinity counter on it, and you can remove a divinity counter from it to destroy all lands. So it's supposed to be a super weapon. I thought being able to destroy all lands is a really good super weapon. Uh, and we went with that. And then our last vault monster that we know of so far in the game is going to be the Destroyer. The Destroyer is a massive intergalactic menace being from another dimension, sealed into the Great Vault, capable of destroying stars, entire planets, and civilizations. It appears as a gigantuan, one-eyed beast with a massive mouth and several tentacles. The Eridians, at the cost of their entire civilization, imprisoned the Guardian within a Great Vault thousands of years ago. Although a false vault was made to lure unsuspecting beings to a to sate the destroyer's hunger. I believe that was on Necrotofeo, but I'm not completely certain. But the Great Vault is on Pandora, and the moon is used to open up the Great Vault. Or the moon is the vault key. Uh, we have that represented in the essence of Emrakul, the Promised End. Now, some people would probably say Emrakul, the Promised End, is more of a Githian creature, but I thought this was just the strongest creature we can use to represent the Destroyer. 13 mana for a 13-13. Legendary creature, Eldrazi. Uh, it costs one less to cast for each type card type among cards in your graveyard. When you cast it, gain control, gain control of target opponent during that player's next turn. After that, that player takes an extra turn. It has flying, trample, protection from instances. A few cards that kind of go along with that. Um, you could also have the Serpent re be represented. So these are some of the cards that go along with just the Vault Monsters in general. So Grothama could really actually be put into the Serpent section. Uh, Grothama, All Devouring, is 3 green green, 10, 8. Other creatures have, when this creature attacks, you may have it fight Grothama. When Grothama leaves the battlefield, each 
player draws cards equal to the amount of damage dealt to Grothama by a source they control. Now, Grothama, I wanted to kind of represent the idea that your opponents are the Vault Hunters, and you're going out to try and defeat these Vault Monsters, and you can play with a co-op in this game. So Grothama is that kind of go out there, kill the gro- kill the monster, get your treasures and your rewards for it. It's also a good way to get rid of creatures with the other card that we have that represents one of the abilities that these creatures have is when they're going through different changes, they're actually invincible for a few moments. Uh, in Hero's Intervention, one in a green, permanence you control gain hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. So obviously combos really well with Grothama. Uh, also helps the rest of your board and everything like that. But it represents that one instant when you're fighting and it's either the second to take a break and reload, but the monster is going through to their next stage where they're invincible. We also have Through the Breach, four in a, four in a red, instant, arcane. You may put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield. This creature gains haste, sacrifice, that creature at the beginning of the next end step. It has splice onto arcane for two red red. Um, you can read arcane if you want to learn how to use it, uh, but I don't know how to use it exactly. But through the breach, um, obviously through the breach, it's sh- it, the modern masters, I believe, has Emrakul actually coming through the breach. This is them emerging from the vault. Uh, I really like to have it represented by that. And then all is dust, seven mana, tribal sorcery Eldrazi. Each player sacrifices all colored permanents he or she controls. So All is Dust is a reset button, but for the most part, it's just representing what will happen if you let these vault monsters out into the world and they end up destroying everybody and everything on the planet. All is Dust. So the last card we have, uh, Warstorm Surge, five and a red artifact. When a creature enters the battlefield under your control, it deals damage equal to its power to any target. Um... Probably just the war. I mean, there's a lot of wars that are going on inside this world. Uh, I really added this more for the gameplay. Warstorm Surge. All the corporations are basically at war. You're at war with, in Borderlands 3, you're actually at war with another siren who's trying to open up all the vaults. So I guess in that sense, they're a vault hunter. Tyrene is her name. We'll go over what her abilities are because we do have her represented in the siren abilities. Uh, Warstorm Surge is just that kind of clashing of heads in the game so that was all of our vault monsters we're going to go on to our sirens because for so there is a link between the sirens and i would say the vaults but definitely uridium and the the alien race the uranians uranians so i did tend to add them here uh, we're going to go over them right now. So one of the characters you interact with the most in the game is going to be Lilith. Uh, Lilith has the Lilith is a siren, uh, one of other vault hunters too, commander of the Crimson Raiders. She has the ability which is Phase Walk. Phase Walk is a siren ability to bridge the gap between dimensions, allowing the siren to teleport both her and others across space and time. The ability can also be can also inflict damage upon structures, causing caused by small explosions when the siren enters or exits phase walk. It has a heavy connection to the elemental fire, along with the flame throwing and flame wings to fly. We have her represented by Chandra, Torture Defiance, two red red, legendary 
Planeswalker Chandra for loyalty. Plus one, you exile the top card of your library. You can cast it. If you don't, you deal two damage. Plus one, add two red to your mana pool. Minus three, deal four damage to target creature. Minus seven, you gain an emblem. Whenever you cast a spell, you can deal five damage to any target. So, Fire, Lilith, Chandra. I thought it worked out really well. We have Ava. So, Ava is kind of the newest... I guess you would say the newest Siren at this point uh, in the story. Ava has Phase Lock, which she got from Maya. Uh, so when a Siren dies, their abilities do transfer to somebody. I think they can choose, um, except for with one of the other abilities that comes up, they kind of can't choose. But I think the Siren can choose who they go to, but I'm not completely certain on that. But we have Ava represented in Kazmina, is Egmatic Mentor. Three in a blue, legendary creature, or legendary planeswalker. Spells your opponent's cast that target a creature or planeswalker you control. Cost two more to cast. Minus two creatures, or minus two create a 2-2 wizard creature token. Uh, draw a card, then discard a card. Starts with five loyalty. Um, Just because it looks like a young girl, or it looks like a younger girl, she's always wearing a hood in the game and Kazmina is always wearing a hood in her art so I thought this would represent it well uh Ava has the ability phase lock which is kind of relevant to Kazmina's ability phase lock is an ability to lock an object or a person in place in inside a blue circle of force and then you can destroy them and attack them while they're doing those they're in phase lock Patricia Tanis uh is another is another siren we get to meet Patricia Tanis has the ability Phase Shift. She's an ex-Dahlia sci uh, scientist and archaeologist, allies of the Crimson Raiders. Phase Shift is a technopath or the ability to infuse, manipulate technology or anything with electrical current and have said technology obey the Phase Shifter's commands and desires. Uh, and you find out she is very much a scientist when it comes down to heart. So that is her hard line. So we have her represented as Tamio, Collector of Tales, 2, Green, Blue. Starting loyalty is 5. Spells and abilities your opponents control can't cause you to discard or sacrifice permanence. Minus 1, choose a, or you pick a name of a card. You reveal the top 4 cards of your library. Uh, put all cards with the name, with the same name, or with the chosen name into your hand. And then... Uh, put the rest into the graveyard. It has a minus three return target card from your graveyard to your hand. Tamio is a collector of tales, strictly. Um, and I think in the story, she really kind of has a standoffish and only study approach. Kind of the same thing with Tannis. Uh, for the most part, Tannis is really just trying to figure out everything, do more research. Um, she does help you along the way. So maybe a little bit different than Tamio. I thought pretty much on target there. A planeswalker, or a planeswalker, huh. a character you get to play in the new Borderlands, in Borderlands 3, is one of the playable characters, is Amara. Amara has phase trance, uh, The vault. she's a vault hunter. Phase trance is the ability to manipulate transplant parts of the human form which the sirens can use to affect the world around her. So you basically make... Um, Fake, or not fake, but you make arms that are strictly straight power, and you could uh, capture somebody with this arm. You can use it as a whole body phase into something and uh, project that power into something to destroy it or 
uh, anything like that. It has a couple different abilities. I'm actually working on my Siren right now in the game. My MR in the game. We have it represented in Vivian Reed because Vivian Reed does create uh, projections of creatures that are sh- that are power and that can take on uh, the physical f- physical world around them. So I thought Vivian Reed would represent it really well. Three green green starting loyalty five. Look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal a creature or a land card from among them. Put it into your hand. Put the rest onto the bottom of your library and in a random order. Minus three destroy your artifact. Enchantment or creature with flying. Minus eight, uh, you get an emblem with creatures you control. Get plus two, plus two, and vigilance, trample, and indestructible. And then our one of our last sirens that I have represented. There is one more siren I have to try and figure out if we can figure which siren it's, or what Planeswalker it's going to be. But we have Tyrene Calypso. So Tyrene Calypso is a twin sister of Troy, god queen of the children of the vault. So this is who you're fighting against most of the time in the main storyline of Borderlands 3. She has the ability um, Phase Leech. She also gains Phase Walk because she ends up sucking uh, the phase phase ability out of one of our other sirens. But Phase Leech... The unnamed power of Tyrene Calypso. The ability allows Tyrene to absorb the life energy of all living beings to increase her own power as well as any unique abilities her target possessed. So she did use this power to combine herself with the Destroyer uh, at the end of the first campaign. Spoiler alert, sorry. Um, If that's what it came down to. We have her represented as Liliana Death Horde General for Black Black. Starting loyalty is... Six, whenever a creature you control dies, draw a card. So really good as the leech ability. She usually kills anybody that she leeches from. Plus one, create a 2-2 zombie creature token. Minus four, each creature, each player sacrifices two creatures. Minus nine, each opponent chooses a permanent. They control of each permanent type and sacrifices the rest. Uh, Liliana, I thought represented really well. I know she's not really a per se bad guy in the main storyline of magic anymore, but... Uh, her abilities do a really good job representing Tyrene Calypso, also a Dread Horde. Uh, Tyrene controls, controls quote-unquote, uh, just manipulated most of the psychos and crazed maniacs of the world to fight against you. Now, on the wiki, there's only one, two, three, four, five. There's only five abilities for the... Five abilities for the known sirens. There is one more ability that's known as uh, animal control, uh, which was done by Ashiri, which I'm not too familiar with, but maybe this is the sixth vault uh, ability. But a lot of sirens have died over the series, and some are unknown, like Lilith. But that was our deck. Those are all of our... Guardians, our Uridian, our Sirens, and all of our abilities. Uh, when it comes to the lands, for the most part, we're just playing every Shock land and every uh, opponent land that's from that's from the new Commander Legends and from Battle Bond, uh, and then we're playing Snow Basics, so that we can be able to search up our Snow Basics with our Snow Rampant Growth. Also, it's just kind of good to have a Snow Land. But with that. We're going to go on to a little bit of the gameplay, and I'll see you there. Move and you die. <laughs> I will now read the crimes of Condemned. You kidnapped my 
You moved. Whatever. So real quick, we're going to go over the gameplay. Um, for the most part, this deck does have a huge CMC cost. For the most part, because we're being messed up by some of our 8-drop spells and our 13-drop spell. Uh, when it comes to mana production, we're actually running 15 straight 2-mana 1 to 2 or 1 to 3 mana ramp spells with the high majority of them being uh, converted mana cost 2 to ramp. So we are going to be getting from turn 2 to turn 4 rather quickly, which will allow us to play our commanders or play some of the uh, vaults that we're going to use to get our big creatures out. So that's mostly the gameplay. You ramp from turn 2 to turn 4, get out a Quicksilver Amulet or... Uh, Thran's Temporal Gateway, and then get one of these big vault creatures out of the vault into play. But when it comes to the gameplay, um, I can do a sample hand real quick. So let's do a sample hand. Uh, obviously, we're always going to have a two-mana ramp spell in our hand. Right here, we have a we start with a Key to the City, two Snow-Covered Islands, a is it Signet, an Arcbound Ravenger, a Thran Temporal Gateway, and an Overseer, uh, Arcbound Overseer. Uh, if I draw my first card, another Signet, play my land. We are going to be getting to our Thran Temporal Gateway. If we draw one more land, we didn't, but that's okay. Play another Signet. And now we hit our land, play Thran Temporal Gateway, and we can power out our Arcbound Overseer or our Crusher or anything we draw like that. One more hand. Uh, this hand's a little bit better. This hand, we have a Snow-Covered Mountain, a Overgrown Tomb, a Nature's Lore, a, like I said, we're probably pretty much for the most part always going to have a two-mana ramp spell in our opener. Uh, Snow-Covered Island, Snow-Covered Forest, Perilous Vault, and a Lurking Predator. So if we play this out, we draw a card for turn, Arcbound Reclaimer, play our Rampant, or er, or Overgrown Tomb, play a land, Nature's Lore, land. We can put out either one of our commanders, like our uh, Tana the Bloodsore, start getting Sapperling tokens, or play Perilous Vault and have people kind of wait for us to stop being the threat. And either they have to attack into us, or we just keep building until we hit our massive amount of ramp spells, pop Perilous Vaults, play Lurking Predators, everything like that. Um, I'm a big fan of these kind of cheat-out ramp decks. For the most part, people usually play Eldrazi just as their big drops. Um, when it comes to these cheat-out ramp decks, but I really enjoy uh, having different creatures and everything like that. So with that, um, that's mostly the gameplay. With that, we are going to go on to the uh, budget section, and I will see you there. Welcome to the Holy Broadcast Center. Our daily live stream will be starting shortly with a special guest. Give your offerings now so you can join our elite Iridium-tier chat for behind-the-scenes murder and mayhem. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. Let loose your bloodlust roar for our god queen, the first sister, Tyrene Calypso! Hey, everybody. So when it comes to the budget, budget section, we are coming in at $665.41. That's a little expensive. Um, for the most part, that's held in by a few cards individually. Uh, Dark or Blightsteel Colossus is coming in at $32. Um, all of our lands right now, since every pain land or every shock land is about $10, 
our land section has about $260 worth of value in there. Uh, that's pretty much because every land, every non-basic land we're playing is somewhere in the $10 range. So you can always make up your own mana base, play more basics, um, go a little bit further on the green sources if you want to, if you want to do stuff like that. And I don't know why Omnath Locus of Rage is coming in at $39. Uh, and I think it's because it's pulling the foil version. So I would say this deck is probably more around probably $300, if not cheaper. Because a lot of these are being pulled at a at a higher cost than they actually are to play. So, all right. With that, we're going to go on to the outro. So, hey everybody, I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for coming back and listening. Thank you. Uh, thank you to all the people in the discords that I belong to. That would be Com Commander Sphere. So shout out to the Commander Sphere people. Um, the Vorthos podcast and EDH uh, play. I also try and drag information from. They do give me a little bit of help when it comes to building the decks. Uh, they may not know it's me, but if you're listening, that's me, uh, Wolfie Star. That's asking for suggestions when it comes to theme decks like this. Um, they gave me the suggestion for Hans Eriksson. They gave me the suggestion for Storm the Vaults and a couple other cards. They really helped me in the last one, too. So I just wanted to give a shout out to those discords and also to those podcasts because those podcasts are great. If you have any questions, you can email me at wolfystar12 at gmail.com, or you can tweet at me, which I probably would be able to get to you faster if you tweet at me, at wolfymtg. Or you can just, I think you can just uh, look for Thematic Commander on Twitter, and you'll probably be able to pull me up. Uh, you can DM me, you can tweet at me, I'll reply to either. Um, usually I'm posting silly memes on there, or poll questions if you want to answer some of those. Uh, feel free to. I don't know when the next deck will be coming out. I don't know what it'll be. It might be one of the decks that I built, so one of the 32 that I did. Or if I think of a really cool theme, I'll come up with a really cool theme and do it. If you have any suggestions for themes, um, please let me know. If I get enough people following me, I'll actually put out polls for what my next theme should be. And maybe yours will get chosen. Maybe you'll choose the one that I want to do, or that is going to get done. Um, but thank you so much for listening. If you have any, nope, I don't know. I don't know what I was going to say. I really don't know where I'm going with this, but uh, thank you so much and keep it thematic. You don't want to hear about that vault hunter. You want to hear about loot and packs and explosions. I'm Tori and I'm here to ask you one question and one question only. Explosions? No missing. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Thematic Commander. This week, we're going to be going over I uh, Oh, shoot. We're going to get there. So, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Thematic... Hello, and welcome to Thematic Commander. This week, we're going to be going over the Vault Monsters from Borderlands 3? 